Well, good afternoon, everyone. So our subject this afternoon, God's promises to you. And if you've opened the Bible before and, and read from it, you'll have come across a number of promises in the Bible. In fact, according to one person's count, there's 3,573 promises in the Bible. And I'm afraid you're going to have to take this person's word for it because I haven't gone through and checked these all. But it just gives you the sort of idea of the volume of promises that are in the Bible. And you could go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 for the very first promise where God speaks to the serpent after uh, Adam and Eve have eaten of the fruit of the tree, when uh, he says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. And in your own time, you can go to places like Galatians chapter 4, uh, verse 4, to see when this promise was fulfilled. Uh, and the last promise in the Bible is in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, where it says, yes, I am coming soon. Um, and that's a promise which is still to come. But we won't think about who said, who made that promise and uh, what it means until maybe a little bit later in our talk. But what we do see throughout the Bible is God making a number of promises and we see throughout the Bible that he keeps these promises. And just to, just to show that, we're going to look at three quick examples um, to show that God keeps his promises to people in the Bible that he makes them to. So first, if you'd like to come to Genesis uh, chapter 17, if you've still got your Bible open at Galatians 3, uh, our opening reading, uh, keep a marker there because we'll be coming there uh, later in the talk. So in Genesis chapter 17, we have God speaking to Abraham and Sarah, and a son is promised uh, to them. Uh, let's just read, um, read here in uh, Genesis chapter 17, verse 16. Uh, this is God speaking to Abraham. Uh, he says, I will bless her, that's Sarah, and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her though, so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. But Abraham fell face down and laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? So God has said something's going to happen. He says that Abraham and Sarah are going to have a son, um, but they, they don't, uh, well, they laugh because they're old and past the age of bearing children. But only four chapters later, we see this promise being fulfilled. The first verse of Genesis chapter 21. The Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. So not only has God kept his promise. He's kept it as he said he would in the same time frame that he said he would as well. A second quick example. Um, we're, we're in Genesis here. Uh, if you flip back to Genesis chapter 15. Again, God speaking to Abraham here. Um, he says in verse 13 to Abraham, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and ill-treated for 400 years. And that's talking about when uh, when the 
children of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob uh, become a great nation called Israel and they go down to Egypt and they are slaves in captivity. And we can see this in uh, Ezekiel, uh, sorry, Ezekiel, Exodus chapter 3 uh, and verse 17. At this point, they're in Israel in slavery and God speaks to Moses saying, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites. So it's referring back to this promise all the way back in Genesis chapter um, Genesis chapter 15, hundreds of years earlier. God says to Moses that he's going to keep his promise. And we can see if we flick forward only a few chapters to Exodus chapter 12, verse 40. This is a bit of a summary of the time after the Israelites have come out of Egypt. Um, there's been the ten plagues and they've crossed the Red Sea. And finally we get a little summary there saying, Now the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt is 430 years. At the end of the 430 years to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. And so God again keeps his promise here over hundreds of years. And just the third one in Second Samuel chapter 7, we see God speaking to David. And he speaks to him. Through the prophet Nathan, and he tells he tells David, uh, just picking out a couple of uh, verses, we're a little bit out of context, but just to, just to show the point about the promise here. Um, 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, verse 21. Uh, sorry, I think, my, I think my reference is wrong there. Um, what, what we're looking at here is God speaking to... God speaking to David saying that you're going to have a son and that son is going to um, is going to be the king of Israel. And after this time, uh, lots of thing ha things happen in David's life. Uh, there's mutinies um, uh, with, with his, one of his other sons and um, it, it looks for a point that, that the promise here isn't going to be fulfilled. Um, but we see in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, no need to turn there, that exactly as God says, David's son Solomon reigns on the throne of Israel. So what we have here is evidence that God keeps his promises to these people. But that's not our subject today. Our subject is God's promises to you. And that's to you and to me, to us in this room here. So what promises does he make to us? We're going to look through a few promises there. I just try to build up a little picture of what God is saying to, to us through these promises. So let's go forward to Matthew chapter 6. So God promises he will care for us. We can see that in verse 25 of Matthew 6. Therefore, 
I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus here is speaking to the people, telling them not to worry about material things. I think that's that's a very hard thing at this time of year especially, isn't it? Uh, everything um, is, is about Christmas. All the new things that we absolutely must have to get. But God's example here is, uh, the example of Jesus here rather, is of God feeding the birds and us being much more valuable than the birds. Verse 31 continues, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We see here that God will care for us if we seek him. If we seek God first, then these things, these things which don't really matter, they will be given to us. And God gives us the strength to do this. No need to turn there, but if you, go to, if you were to look at Philippians chapter 4, um, we see Paul saying, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And Paul was someone who had complete faith and confidence in God and in the Lord Jesus. Another thing God promises is that he will love us. And whenever we think about that sort of idea, I'm sure your mind goes to John chapter 3 and verse 16. It's a very famous verse, isn't it? God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. And we have within that uh, another promise. Let's go to Romans chapter 6 verse 23. So God loved the world that he gave his son and through him giving his son um, we see in this verse here in Romans chapter three, as Romans chapter six, verse twenty-three, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So because of God's love for the world, he gives the he's given the promise of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Um, and that's something we'll come on to a little bit later, but if you just keep that in your minds um, as we go back into the Old Testament to show that the promises um, of God's love and plenty of other promises which we'll come on to shortly, they're not just ideas from the New Testament, they're things which have been going on throughout the whole Bible. So let's go to a few of the Psalms just to see what, uh, what God tells us there. So let's go to Psalm 103 to start with. And the Psalms are especially a good place to read about these sort of these sort of things, these promises from God, because they're very uplift. There are a lot of them are very uplifting ideas. For example, 
where we are in Psalm 103. Let's read verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And it's a great visual contrast there, isn't it? The love of God is so great um, that he's comparing things which are exceedingly high and exceedingly low. The gap between them, or the east and the west, you, you can't get any further apart than that, can you? That's how great his love is. And not only that, but it's an unfailing love. If you come to Psalm 32, we'll see that idea. Psalm 32, verse 10. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. And I think that's... That's, it. That's another a great idea to build on our Psalm 103, isn't it? Not only is this love great, because something could be great, but only temporary. Uh, we can think of many nations over the years which were exceedingly great, but then they, they just fell away. But not God's love. We have the greatness of it, but also the everlasting, unfailing type of love. And that's really encouraging, isn't it? One of the other things God promises is guidance. We're in Psalm 32, verse 10, but if you turn back just two verses uh, to verse 8, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. You could also look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And he will make your path straight. And guidance really is something which the world really needs, isn't it? Especially this year. So many people are wondering what's happening in the world. We've seen in the last few months the US election, the Brexit vote, the refugee crisis. And that's not mentioning things like ISIS and wars. So what we're seeing here is that there is guidance from God in, in his word. So if we're looking for answers to things which we can't explain in the world, then I would suggest that we should turn to the Bible and to its message. Because we've talked about the promises that God has given to us in his care, his love and his guidance. But he also promises us forgiveness Forgiveness from our disobedience against him. And we see this very strongly in the prayer which Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 6. So from Matthew chapter 6, uh, let's, just, let's just read the whole prayer. Um, it starts at verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts 
as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's a very simple message, isn't it? If we want to be forgiven by God, then we have to forgive others. And that's the key point here, isn't it? You can go to many other passages in the Bible. If you're making notes, Matthew 11 verse 25 and Ephesians 4 verse 32 are a couple of places I would suggest are, are good to go. These are all about forgiving others so that God will forgive us. And it's the key point there is that there needs to be effort on our part as well, doesn't there? So we've looked at a few of the promises there. Um, but let's just flip things around a little bit. What doesn't God promise us in the Bible? Well, there's a few things I would suggest. One is an easy life. In fact, we're often told the opposite. Um, let's, there, there's three references which uh, I've got listed here. Um, let's go to two of them and I'll, I'll leave the other one for you to look up in your own time. So we're in Matthew at the moment, so let's just turn a few pages over to John chapter 16. John 16, uh, we're, we're just um, dipping in here, but this is Jesus speaking. Verse 33, Jesus speaks to his disciples saying, I've told you these things so that, you, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So often when we do see something um, that's written about the, uh, about the, the difficulty they're going to that people are going to have is that we do see hope after each of these statements. So in this state, in this verse here, we see Jesus saying that in this world you're going to have trouble, but take heart because He has overcome the world. We'll miss out the second one in Acts chapter fourteen, verse twenty-two. Uh, but if you'd like to go to that in your own time, it's talking about. Um, Paul talking about the many hardships we have to go to to enter the kingdom of God. But if we, if we go to Hebrews chapter 12, let's look at what's written here by the writer to the Hebrews. We'll read a few verses from verse 7 of Hebrews 12. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who di disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to our father of our spirits and live? Our, father dis our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So we see the, 
the example here of parents disciplining their children for their own good. And that's what God is doing to us. He's disciplining us as we need so that we can be counted as his children, as sons of God. And verse 11 there finished it off nicely, didn't it? About what we what that produces, harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by this. That's very encouraging, isn't it? One of the other things we're not promised is to be free from pain or accidents. You can read the entire book of Job to see the pain he suffered. And Jesus talks about some examples in Luke chapter 13 about people who were killed when a tower in Siloam fell on them. Or when Pilate sacrificed some some people. And the example there is that these people were no worse or better than other people. Um, everybody is under the curse which we talked about at the very start in Genesis chapter 3, um, when sin was brought into the world, that we can't expect that by simply turning to God that we'll be free from these pain and these accidents at this time. And one thing you certainly won't find in the Bible is that God will give us everything we desire or pray for. That just You just won't find that idea there. But we've looked at some of the things which God tells us about the world today and how we should live. But we've also touched on this idea, on some of these ideas like eternal life and the kingdom of God. So let's see what God says about those. So if you come back to our opening reading in Galatians chapter 3. Now, we started with a promise to Abraham, didn't we? Galatians 3, verse 16 also talks about this promise. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but unto your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. So this promise that we had back in Genesis chapter 3 and you can read about in places like Genesis chapter 13 we're told that this is about Jesus that this seed which God talked about in Genesis 3 this is just one man this is Jesus now Abraham died without the promise that was made to him in in Genesis being fulfilled we're told in this chapter that we've read in verse 8 in Galatians that God preached the gospel to Abraham. So Abraham knew that there was more beyond this life because of this promise. And we can see there in verse 29 of this chapter that this promise is fulfilled through Jesus. Where it says, if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And one of the other key messages of Jesus was to bring the good news of the kingdom of God. And you might ask, what is the kingdom of God? Now, well, this is a whole subject in itself, but if you were to look in the ESV, you'd find this phrase 67 times. But there are many, many more references to this idea. And it's talking about a world free from pain and suffering, a world without death and a world of peace being ruled by a just king. So this promise that we've had to Abraham 
it's fulfilled in Jesus and Jesus has promised that a kingdom will come. If you turn to our final uh, reference in Acts chapter 1, we see the last words of Jesus before he goes into heaven, where he says, where his disciples speak to him, and they ask the question in verse 6 of Acts 1, Lord, are you this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus says to them, it is not for you to know the days or the times that the Father has set. So Jesus doesn't give the, the answer to his disciples at this point, but then he, when he's taken into heaven and his disciples are looking up, two angels appear and they say in verse 11, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. So Jesus has been taken into heaven and he's going to come back and he's going to come back to set up God's kingdom. This kingdom of God which he preached 2000 years ago and this kingdom will begin when Jesus returns. And we don't know when these things will happen. Second Peter chapter 3 says God is not slow in keeping his promises. We know they will happen though. We've seen evidence today of God keeping his promises. And we know that they will happen when the time is right. But what we have to do is we have to watch. We have to prepare by getting to know the word of God, by reading his Bible and to do what it says. And if we do that, we have an opportunity to be part of the greatest promise God has made to us. Eternal life on earth in a perfect world, free from pain and suffering with a perfect, perfect king in Jesus Christ.